Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Line. I was just getting into Lee Fowler of the Championship mode where, you know, after that game, it was... I had a, a lot of lot of offers to leave the football club. Um, I think it was only because I was high on um, some sort of drugs with with my elbow being in cast that Dean made me sign a new two year contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Royce on all to the Fearless in Devotion podcast. We're recording this after a rather uninspiring nil-nil versus uh, Chesterfield. There was a lot of hype for this game, but it didn't really live up to it, did it, Tim? No, it was crap, to be honest. Um, there's, there's no two ways about it. It was dull. We were clinging on for a point in the end. Um, Chesterfield carved out the better chances, obviously hit the bar. Um, and yeah, we just, you know, I thought we nullified the threat of... of of Danny Rowe quite well, to be honest, but he was so deep, it was unbelievable. And um, yeah, you know, we can't afford to be too glum about it. We were never going to win another game 4-0, um, no. third game in a row, but some questionable selection decisions, but everything's questionable in the, in the cold light of day afterwards, isn't it? So um, a little bit disappointed, however, another clean sheet, um, sticks Rob Layton into the record books, Mm. Um, I think it was it 45 in 45 or 43 clean sheets in 95 games, something that yeah, very impressive. Good, yeah. Um, and yeah, overall, uh, I'm not going to say it was underwhelming, but yeah, yeah, perhaps the game didn't really live up to its billing, really. Yeah, I need to bounce back next week, don't we? What did you make of Andy? Um, they're a bunch of minges, aren't they? Bloody <laughs> ate that club. I mean, it's not just the furlough stuff, which has been going on for the last couple of months. The fact that they took those COVID jabs before a lot of people, like a lot of OEPs had had them. It's also the stuff that, you know, they took Usis off us and then they signed our dream player. Just, <laughs> you, know, you know, we've been trying to sign that, that guy for, for years. I really, I think we needed a hate club because we haven't <laughs> had one for, for a bit. I was looking around for one. I've got one. They've even got Chester in their name. What a bunch yeah. of pricks. If, if you're listening in from Derbyshire, anybody, and you want to bump <laughs> off a pensioner, take them to, uh, to Chesterfield when, uh, when restrictions are lifted. Yeah, absolutely. Run out. They've probably got a cupboard full of uh, COVID vaccines that they just give to people like Roe. You know, I mean, there's, there's 100 dead pensioners, but Chesterfield don't care. Um, <laughs> to the game, I really wanted to beat them. I hate them. They're absolute pricks. Well, my opinion's not going to be quite as strong as Andy's, and I'm not going to go slandering uh, Chesterfield and talking about pensioners. Um, but it, was, it wasn't a disastrous result, but it wasn't a great game. And I don't like games where we don't really give the keeper much trouble. You know, there was that one chance that was turned around post, but other than that, there wasn't much to shout about. It keeps us there or thereabouts, but it wasn't thrilling. End of. Right, good time to move on. Gents, I've got some news. Go on, what's the news? Oh, wow, what's that? That is the email klaxon. We've, had, we've been inundated by two emails this week. I hope you took Wednesday off. <laughs> I'll save one of them for later because <laughs> it's about our Mighty Heroes feature where we pick the best Wrexham 11 we've seen play live, as we all know by now, so we'll come on to that later in the podcast. But here's the other email. It's from Finn. Hi, Finn. Hi. Finn says, hi lads, loving the podcast. We play five aside on a Monday night at Chirk and the lad who plays put a, put a telly on the wall for Big Den. 
big Dennis Lawrence, obviously. On the off chance, he asked him if he fancied a game with us, and he said, if we're ever short, text him. A man to his word, he played one week and has been a regular most Mondays. What? A player, by the way. Behave. All the best, Finn. <laughs> wow, imagine playing five a side with Big Den. Oh, wow. So he lives, still lives around the area then? Yeah, he must do. Well, look, he's Trinidad coach now, though, isn't he? No, no, he isn't. No, I think he, he left the role about, about a year ago because oh, he wanted to play five a side in shirt, he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, he he's always remained in the area. He's always remained yeah. in the area. Dennis, yeah. Oh, well, I was just thinking the mechanics of five a side that would instantly basically double the head height. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just about saying that. You can just like uh, just do the sort of big lob balls everywhere. <laughs> well, it actually got me thinking which other Wrexham legends have been sort of dominating five a side pitches up and down the country with our listeners. So, if you've ever played five a side with a Wrexham legend or actually any Wrexham flops, it would be interesting to hear if they were any good. Please do email us in and tell us. Maybe Richard Hope is brilliant at five a side, you know, and he gets a bad rep. So, did you two footed tackle him, please? Yeah. By any <laughs> you can get in touch by emailing fearlessindevotion at gmail.com. Hopefully, the email servers will cope with the increased demand we're getting. And also, search for the Fearless in Devotion Twitter account as well. Have any of you lot played five yes. a side? Um, I'm glad you asked, uh, Reese. I uh, played five a side with Mickey about. Six years ago, um, you showed up, um, was on the opposing side to me, was one of those players that played within himself until his side went behind and then he got a bit annoyed. So he would like be one or two goals behind, he would step it up. And even though he was probably around about 59, 60 at that point, was still head and shoulders above everyone else in Clan Didno Junction Leisure Centre. Liam, I know you know that pitch. It's an unforgiving pitch, isn't it? It's the conditions, isn't it? Tough conditions, and that's why I didn't look good on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, clearly. I didn't think I had one, but I do have one. I Go played on. seven aside. I played seven aside against Lee Trundle. Oh, wow. Uh, You've only yeah. just remembered that. I know, I know. <laughs> I was thinking, because as we heard on the podcast, he still loves it playing football. He lives for it. I saw on Twitter the other day he was looking for a game for someone. Yeah, I saw that, um, yeah. And he... Um, he he's just an absolute legend up there. I think he's up there three or four nights a week. Like the bloke doesn't stop. He just goes up there, just megs his people for fun all the time. Is it Gary Goals? Remember that on he, Twitter? No. I said it was a guy who put out um, a Twitter sort of post saying, I'm Gary Goals. I will score you goals. Here's my number. I will guarantee <laughs> you goals. Yeah. He's, I, I think he's another one of those Trundle was just clearly playing within himself and just will occasionally, I think he just used it as a chance to showboat and fair enough to him, that's how I would do as well. In History Only Tells a Story, every week we take a look back through the archives for our favourite Wrexham-related clips. Liam, you're up this week, what have you got for us? So... We're under the management of Dean Saunders and we'd just been absolutely thrashed by Gateshead uh, 7-2, only to go for a tough away test at Wimbledon at the King's Meadow Stadium. As the game went on into the second half, it looked like it could head towards a nil-nil draw, but then in the 75th minute, something magical happened. Edge of the box now. Feet took a goal to the left. That's a clever pass. Mangan burst past his man. The Rex are on the break here. Mangan on a halfway line. Feet it to Olbeck. Pogba's with Martin's side. Olbeck puts him clear of Olbeck. Just the goal needs a piece. Brown comes off his line. Pogba goes round him and he slots it in. Tremendous finish by Pogba. Rexham take the lead. What a break that was. Mangan to Olbeck to Pogba who comes across. Great comms there. Fair play. Superb. 
For the avoidance of doubt, Mark Griffiths is still alive, but he didn't have a cardiac arrest after that. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable scenes at the end of that, I think. Um, And we've got someone here today who is actually uh, involved in that game. We've got uh, Lee Fowler with us on the podcast. Welcome, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Lee. Thank you very much for joining. So do you want to talk us through, Lee, a bit about what you remember about that match? I remember the leading into it that, you know, we had the heavy defeat on the the, the Saturday just before, I think, was the, the... the Gateshead game with the, with the, you know, there was a big protest, wasn't there? Uh, mm. Leading into the game, I think somebody got injured. It was actually my home debut, away debut, wasn't it? I think in the league. I know I played in this the trophy against Salisbury. Um, I just thought I'd been there a couple of months and it was in, just enjoyed to get a game really because I wasn't really playing much at the, at the start and you know, I wasn't fit. And to go down and play, and you know, I think I had man the match and played well. Um, and then obviously Pogba goes and scores and then unfortunately for me I get dropped the next game so uh, story of uh, Dean being in my relationship really <laughs> How did your move come about? Because I think it's fair to say you'd been around a few teams that year hadn't you? Or in the previous year? So yeah so I left Kettering and, the, and with obviously the chairman there was was a, a charlatan shall we say who <laughs> um, we was trying to pick the team champ manager you you, you would know understand we've all played champ manager but he was the chairman of it um, I played for. I went to Oxford. It didn't work out with Chris Wilder. Um, I was struggling a little bit off the field with a few different bits and bobs, and you know I went to Forest Green because my brother was there. But then it came to a point where um, I had to go and get help, which I did do. Went and got help, which was brilliant. And when I was in there, I had an offer from Crawley, Wrexham, and I'm trying to think of the other club. There was another club who were at the top anyway. That I think Crawley won the league that year, didn't they? The, the yeah. Season I came. Um, Obviously, Andrew Mangan, who's, who's obviously my best mate, he, he got Dean to call me. And, you know, the first phone call Dean said to me, he said, you need to be the best football player in the team. Which I said, yeah, that's not a problem. I can do that. Um, he said, you've been out working out, fight people. I said, yeah, not a problem. I can do that if I need to do it. And he said, you need to be as fit as you can and outrun people. And I said, I'm going to have to stop you there, Dean. I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, he, I think he liked the honesty to me rather than being, you know, telling them something or not because I didn't want to turn up and, be something I'm not. Um, I remember driving up actually from Cardiff and Boxing Day. Dean, I got up to the training ground at Collier's at half five in the morning. Um, didn't want to be late. Borrowed my mum's car. Didn't have a penny to my name. Um, and Dean Saunders was there with putting ice onto or snow, shall we say, onto the onto the minibus, trying to clear a five v five or six v six side for the lads and it was bonkers to see him there at that time doing that but you know he did put a lot of hard work in at Wrexham well, Speaking of, the, of that match Lee as you mentioned it you got dropped for the next game did you get any explanation as to why you were dropped? Uh, probably fat overweight and I'm lucky to play at <laughs> Wrexham if and that's what asked our relationship was it it was it was very funny very sort of nothing taken in in jest I did I would have 100% knocked his door and not been happy about it there's no two ways about that um, but I think I think I, I, towards that season, I think it's towards the end really where I got back into the team. And I think once they, they went on a seventeen game run, if you remember, I think the gate the, the gate head game was the game which sort of stopped that run. And then yeah. we never good run. Um, and then obviously with the playoffs, if you remember the Luton at home game, which Josh brought probably brought it up to you, Josh in maybe was when he dislocated my elbow. Um, oh yes, yes, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think Luton played their team that they played on the Tuesday, and we played all the kids. It was me, Tolly, Marvin Andrews, Mark Williams, 
Louis Moss scored a goal. I think we had like 70 passes and Louis Moss scored probably one of the best goals Wrexham's ever scored. Not dead um, rubber. I was at that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like, I don't think they touched the ball until I got stretched off. I don't think they touched the ball. And that's no exaggeration. Um, and then obviously Joss has obviously come out for a 70 yard cross for some reason, which is that's how ridiculous how far it's now. <laughs> I just felt something wrong. I just, I just felt something wasn't quite right. I just went on the floor. Marvin Andrews put his arm across my head and was like, calm and influence that he is because he's a man of the Bible and, you know, we thought he's calm. And then for Jamie Tolley to, to run over and go, oh, my God, that's disgusting. And, you know, then, <laughs> then my elbow was hanging out my uh, elbow, so my socket. Oh. I should mention to the listeners quickly, uh, in case anyone's wondering what the t- tweeting is, Lee is speaking to us from his wonderful garden office, his garden room. What are we calling it, Lee? Uh, could be my future house, I think. It's a summer house, but do you want me to close the door? I, I, I quite, I'm quite enjoying it. I don't know. Let, let's let's leave it open. Why not? It gives us a bit of taste of, of spring and summer. Um, but yeah, you, you've mentioned Dean Saunders a couple of times uh, and that sort of relationship that you had. You know, you followed him a lot and he obviously wanted you where he was coaching, you know, to Doncaster afterwards. Could you just elaborate a little bit on, on what your relationship was like? Listen, let's get it right. Not, there's there's lots of people who don't like Dean Saunders. They, you know, I've always said that, they, you know, he's either, you either love him or you don't. And I got him from day one, I think. I think he likes complex characters. I think that's why he drawn to me and Mangy and Jay Harris. I think he, he drew to us just as much as we drawn to him as like a father father figure. Um, and he was just, listen, he was just honest with me. And he, we just seemed to have some sort of relationship where it was more than a player-manager relationship. And it's certainly something that I try and take into now with my management, with my players, is to have that rapport with them that, you know, this, you know, I know I'm the manager, I'm the leader, but you can also have that little bit of jest, a little bit of banter. And, you know, it's the, it's the little things really, like you used to ring me up on a Saturday night to make sure I wasn't down in any of the nightclubs in, in Wrexham. Or, you know, I used to ring my missus's phone number at like one o'clock saying, is he watching match of the day? And them little things make you want to like, you know, they're the thoughtful things that make you want to be a better for him. So, and, you know, and the Dean Saunders, I can't remember, maybe one game, Cambridge at home, first game of the season when it was boiling hot. Other than that, I don't think I had a bad game for him and for Nadine Saunders. The biggest game was probably the, the Luton game before the playoffs. Um, I was just getting into Lee Fowler of the championship mode where, you know, after that game, there was I had a, a lot of lot of offers to leave the football club. Um, I think it was only because I was high on um, some sort of drugs with with my elbow being in cast that Dean made me sign a new two-year contract. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, 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 it was a slow burner for me, and I, once I got into it, I, I really started to enjoy it. I really enjoyed the club. I think the fan base certainly stroked my ego in terms of running out in front of seven, eight thousand fans every week, rather than playing for no disrespect to Forest Green um, at the old ground, five hundred fans, and you, you get appreciated by a man his dog. But you know the, the accolade that you get at Wrexham or these big clubs it, it certainly is, is really good for a football player. Um, uh, and, then, and then the second season, I just felt I was walking on water. Um, that's just how Dean and Brian and Mal, Mal purchased. That's how they made me feel. I, I just felt no matter who I played against, that even if I was playing against Premier League players and, you know, when we played Blackburn, or they, I, I felt that I was in the best condition mentally and physically that I've ever been in. I mean, looking at, looking at, 
like uh, your record. You only played nearly 50, only 50 games for Wrexham. But I think really and truly, you're still very well re- regarded and you made a big impact in, in, those, in those games. Um, I think part of it is we like a silky flair player. And when you're in the conference, you don't get a lot of them. I mean, what I can also remember is in the second season against Fleetwood, I think it was one of your best matches. Uh, was it 2-0? Uh, but I can remember you sort of dropping deep, dictating the play. Do you sort of think that that's one of the best games you had for Wrexham? And do you think that led to the move ultimately in the end, which we'll probably um, come to later? I, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I just think, as I said, that season, that I think the, the leading into it... Um, Leading into the last season, the pre-season, and every game I played into, I just felt everything clicked for me. Every pass worked, every trick pass, every tackle worked. I was just in a unique position for me to be physically and mentally in one place. Right. Um, you know, and as I said, as you know, from I'm not daft, mate. I, I, listen, the Fleetwood move has tarnished me being held in a higher esteem with the Wrexham fans. I, I'm not daft. Mm. Uh, that was down to my fault and my doing. But in terms of value for money and in terms of ability. I'd like to think if you can detach the Fleetwood move away from from me, I think they would like to say I'd probably be in the top, easy top three to five best midfielders who've played at the club. But I'm not I'm not in that category because of what I did for the Fleetwood move. And um, as I said, I knew you were going to touch on the Fleetwood stuff anyway. And you know, I, I you know as we said, you know, there's been loads of different contrasting people, and I've had to explain myself before and. Hmm. The reality it was is there was a few deaths in the family. Um, one was an eighteen-year-old brother-in-law. Then the mother-in-law died. My missus was pregnant. Um, then obviously Dean had left. Uh, also, uh, the club had left me in a position where I agreed a deal with a twenty thousand pound sign-on fee, which normally in any other football club a twenty thousand pound is your money. Yeah, and I've been taxed on it. I was actually worse off than the season before when I was on £250 a week, sleeping on the floor in Gresford. Um, and, that, and not once, so all that accommodated, but not one person, other than Mozza, I'll, I'll give Mo, Mozza was devastated. Uh, but Don Bircham, uh, Billy Barr, it, it felt like it was, right, let's, let's get rid of him. It wasn't right. a sit down and say, well, how can we, you know, how if that was Dean, Dean would have said, how, how, what can we do? How can we keep you? What can we do to make you there? Uh, and that money wasn't sign on fee for me. That money was to pay off debts before I come. As I said, I come out of rehab with nothing. I didn't have a penny to my name. Mm. So I joined Wrexham. I was sleeping on the floor in the bedroom house for three months. And mm. the money I was the money I was getting from Wrexham at that time was 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 pittance really. It's, it's good in the in the real world, but when you compare it to other people at that Wrexham club, we run two grand a week. We probably weren't playing at the time. You know, and then all of a sudden I had that fantastic start. I, you know, I turned down a lot of football clubs and then um, I just felt there was there was not, I needed to do it, but yeah. I also felt there wasn't that. No one once said to me, how can we make this better? Because mm. I didn't like going to Fleetwood. Mm. I didn't enjoy the fans. I didn't enjoy particularly the manager. Um, I loved the lads, which was a good group of lads who are good mates to me now. I loved yeah. the chairman. The chairman was the main reason he bought me. Um, and ultimately, they had an offer from Doncaster as well, you know. And Wrexham didn't have to sell me to Fleetwood. It, right. Doncaster put an offer in at ten grand. Fleetwood put an offer in of a lot more. Mm. Um, and you know, it, if if when I did decide to leave because of the Billy situation, then they if it was me and and you you can't find a solution, 
don't sell to Fleetwood, go and sell to a other people. Do you feel there was a a lack of understanding and support from the club in regards to you coming out of rehab and then all, all the personal circumstances that you just mentioned? Was there was there anything in regards to that? There was apart from like you said, Mozza, there was no other arm to come around your shoulder and say, right, how are we going to help going forward? Um, no, I, I think yeah, I agree with you there. There was no, there was, I think Dean deep because Dean done everything. That was my support network. I think right. when, when Dean went, I think that support network went with it. Uh, and Mozza tried, but Mozza was still in that transition between a player and a friend and a manager, so he had a lot to deal with in that time with himself. And Mozza did try; he did want me to go. He did give me the time off and. Um, you know, I asked to train with the youth team to keep away from these plans. I didn't want to be a bad egg and stuff like that. And possibly, I, you know, if if I would have had someone else there to sort of help me make the decision, maybe, you know, rather than being an erratic decision, maybe which it probably worked out to be at the time, mm-hmm. then maybe I had a sort of a senior figure there who could understand. Maybe maybe, maybe that's different. And that's my only regret, really, since since football. Um, and that's the reason why I come back the second time. Yeah. Just take us to that point, because obviously it, it kind of come full circle. We know that Fleetwood beat us to the title that year with the whole 98-point season for us. I think they finished 103, something like that. I think it was yeah. five points clear. Um, obviously, Jamie Vardy had a big say in that as well. Um, so just take us full circle into, into how the, the move to your second spell came about, because it was Gary Mills this time. Um, was there a sense from your point of view of a bit of unfinished business or a case of a little bit of a case of I want to go back because there was an there was an element of regret at leaving it the first time? Yeah, both both I thought I owed it. It was my chance of redemption to come back and really try and change that thought process around. Listen, most football a bit as I said, when I come back, 70% of the fans were cool, 30% of the fans until I won him back over with different things, we're going to, always going to be the same anyway. And obviously, there's still people now think, what's this tip doing on here anyway? So <laughs> that's how football is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so as I said, so I just finished in League One at Crawley. I, I, without, I was one of the best players in League One. Um, I had offers from League One to stay in League One, from Crawley at League Two, Colchester, Gillingham. Uh, Dino wanted to sign me for Chesterfield. On far more money, longer term contracts. I met Gary Mills in the in the Beaches Hotel. Ironically, he was having a pint. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never. So, and I was in good condition. And I, I sort of, you know, he offered me the captaincy and I said, right, let's do it. I want to come back. I'm 20 minutes from the house. You know, I'm sick and tired of traveling up and down the motorways. This is a good club. We can get it going, not a problem. Mm. And then literally within so nobody knew all these clubs who wanted to sign me and ironically on the first day of pre-season he pulled me in and said there's an issue Gary Mills and I was like well, what's the issue I haven't even kicked the ball and he's like well you know we know these clubs want you and this club wants you and these clubs want you I said well I've signed a deal like that I've made my decision to stay so I don't understand why there's there's an issue at the moment um Found out later on it was from one of a player who coming on trial. Um, he's obviously gone in same position as me. Told Gary about the clubs who who uh, wanted to sign me previously, and and I, I don't think we looked back from that day really. Did he 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 kept saying it was a fitness issue? Do you agree with him? So yeah, so I hate running, 
but you always have to have a, a, a pre-season of horrible winning. Yeah. That's your yeah. big fitness yeah, yeah. for the rest of your season. We literally went back from day one and started training as if we'd been training for forever. So right. I, was, I was conditioned poorly. And my pre-season was poor. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was in poor condition, not weight-wise, but in terms of injuries. I was carrying like it's just the way we train. We weren't, we weren't conditioned properly because I generally don't think, other than playing football, there was mm. no backbone to anything he done in terms of like strategic or uh, tactics or um, how to run a football club. It was, it was very much off the cuff from my personal opinion. Yeah. I'm a manager now. Um, so I, made, I had to make a choice. I, I couldn't show a bad attitude because I was the captain. So I was players were looking up to me to, you know, to for advice. I think they were waiting for me to implode, uh, Gary Mills and Kasky. I thought that's what they want for me to do because that's what I've done before previously. I think the fans were waiting to say, well, hang on, what's going on here? Because, yeah. you know, Gary Mills hammered me. He hammered me twice publicly in the paper. And once in the, in the in the suite after the game, and the third time is when I pulled him and said, "Listen, if this is it now, I think it was around January, February time." Mm. And there was two people who questioned what was happening about the, the culture which he created. Cam Belford was one; he done it publicly. He went on loan to Stranraer. Right. Uh, I done it privately. I went along to Tamworth. Um, and it's no coincidence that the two biggest characters in the change room left at November. And it coincided with the worst form that the clubs had. You know, that Christmas period was a disgrace. Yeah. Gary actually rung me and said, listen, can you come back? I need you back. The discipline's gone. Um, so I sat in his office and I said, right, you, you've had a go at me twice now publicly. I said, the next time you, you publicly mention my name, which is not true, then I will come out and tell him everything. You know, and, and because there was a definition of my character. Um, you know, we all like a drink. Right. Mm. Ultimately, a professional football club, one of the biggest clubs in this league, one well, of the biggest club in the in the league, and you know to train on a Wednesday after a Saturday game for me is, is bizarre. Yeah, I was I was training. You know, you could speak to Joey and Andy Davis. I was training with the youth team all week just mm. to get my fitness in, and in the end, I was dragging lads in with me to come and train with us. Um, and what I felt, what I felt with Gary Mills is he 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 done a lot right, but the bad stuff overweighed it. Right. I just think he needed someone next to him to say, right, this worked for you so long ago, right? Can we add in the professional side of it? With, yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Marry the two together. You say he called you out publicly. What was it that Gary was saying? Remind us. So he he was saying like in the end of stuff really, rather than being blunt with it, he was like saying his fitness, he knows, uh, we don't need to talk about it. Where for me, just come out and say it. Like whatever you feel, just come out and say it because it's actually worse what you're saying than actually telling them what it is anyway. Um, and that's why in the end I was tweeting, I think the reserves, I think I played nine nine games in the reserves. I think I scored seven, set up 17. And the one game there was like 300 fans there. Mm. I scored two, set up three. And, you know, the fans ain't daft. I was coming on getting man of the matches. And, you know, I was doing the running after games just to prove a point. I was, everything he tried to do publicly was... Was was naughty really, and I accepted it. I accepted it for because I didn't want the hassle anymore. I didn't want the the negative Lee Fowler. Because if I would have done it, the first thing all your fans would have gone. Shouldn't have had him back anyway. We train on us. We'd have a game on a Saturday. We'd be off till the Wednesday, 
I'd make sure everybody was training with Joey and Andy on the Monday, the Tuesday. We'd train Wednesday. If we were off Thursday, we'd train again with, with Andy and Joey. Um, Friday night, you'd drive down to London, stop off in the boozer. Um, you're having sausage sandwiches. You're having, like, playing darts, having a few beers. Do you think it was a bit of, like, a cluffy mindset? Sort of, like... Uh you know, sort of things off the cuff, things, you know, things he might have picked up from, from him back, you know, about 30 years ago, which he thought would work because of the power. You know, he's a European Cup winner. I know Cluffy. I can make this work. Yeah. Well, I, I worked with his, his son as well, the I Nigel, so they're quite similar in terms of how, mm. they, how they do things. And as I said, I think if he would have tapered a few of it and it worked incorporated with a, I think once you get stuck in a, in a especially if football evolves, and once you get stuck in a routine, that's you finish. Because day mm. football changes daily. So what worked 10 years, 15, 30 years ago, mm. you know, drinking on a Friday and all that, that's, that happened years ago. You can't do that now. Football's a young man's game. So everything needs, especially, you know, no disrespect to Gateshead. And, yeah, Gateshead. No disrespect to Gateshead. If you want to do that, Gateshead, brilliant. You're playing in front of 50, 600 fans, is there? Yeah, you can get away. Have a good day. Mm. Yeah, get away. Wrexham's a big club, like you know. There's no coincidence that he went from Wrexham, lost his job, went to York, lost his job, twice. (laughs) Football evolves, and you you've got to. As I said, he's he's some of the stuff he does is brilliant. It's the man Mm. manager, the club side of him. Some of it is actually brilliant. Well, we've heard the downsides to that sort of Gary Mills management style, but. Going for so many nights out and so many drinks must have come up with some decent stories. Were there? Was it? Was it a bit too loose on occasion? Well, that, that's the thing. So every time they get caught out, Blaine, Tippy, James Gray, Wes York, um, Robbie Evans, I'll go out and fit. Sean Newton will come over. Like my name would come always involved in it. Like, right. I wasn't out with them once. I've been out. <laughs> I've been out with them lads once when we beat Chester three 0 well, you, yeah, we'll we'll take that one. Yeah, that that's fine. That's fair enough. And we beat Chester three 0 and the lads will tell you about. I, I was I was messing around, and I've ate a pizza, but it's gone over someone's head, and they're chasing me round Piccolino. <laughs> so I've just kept running, messing around, and I just thought, you know, I'm going home, and I literally ran home from Chester and got a taxi back down Cedar Road to come home. But yeah, listen, the, the the one thing I would say about that group of players they had was. They were bonkers, like in a good way. They had a, a great team spirit. That changed room. I enjoyed going to that. Every time I drove in Colliers, I knew I'd have a good time. That probably leads us on because we do a little bit of a quick fire round. So just yeah. five very quick fire questions, just on your teammates. It could be either either spell at Wrexham. Apart from yourself, who is the most skillful? Um, Don Vos. Easily the best player I've played with. He's um, he's, he's a genius. Like we can't say more than that. Who was the worst dressed? Do you know what? I, I'm going to say James Gray. Because, oh, okay. Because <laughs> the, the clothes he wore were either fake or they were that expensive. They looked that crap. So <laughs> I'm going to say James Gray because he some of the stuff he wore was out there as well. There's a story when he. Um, <laughs> He actually went down to Love Island to try and get on Love Island, didn't he? When he was at Rexham. Oh, no. did he? Yeah, and now if you add it to all his other crime sheets while he was there. <laughs> that's that's the worst. worst. That, that, that is the worst. worst. And, he, and he didn't get in as well. The season the season he didn't get in, another boring lad with tattoos who was good looking. Oh. <laughs> Who was the biggest moaner? Connor Jennings, all day long. 
Yeah. <laughs> said that oh, last week. That's what absolutely, said, yeah. Yeah. Oh, all day long. Con, and the thing is, I played with his brother as well, but I didn't play with his brother at um, Wrexham. I played with, if those two played in a house together, FIFA or Pro, Pro Evolution, then I'd yeah. be their mum and dad like because both of them are moaning, moaning buggers like. God, the, stock, the stockport dressing room must be awful this season. Then, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine anything different. I couldn't, I couldn't make anything worse of playing with them two brothers after a loss or a bad. It, like Connor's, Connor's worse because it's like a misplaced pass or a, which is great. It's, it's yeah. good, but it's not every time you're like Connor. Come on, man, just like, yeah, on. yeah. Like I'm bad, I'm bad for standards, but he's like madness. Like he's. But it's great. I love the both good brothers. I love the family. Who was the tightest? Now you only went out with them once, so uh, it might be a difficult <laughs> question. Do you know what? I'm going to say Jamal Fifield. Okay. Because he's sensible, not tight, right. sensible, which can cross <laughs> over between tight and sensible. He's frugal. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. He, if you if you watch him tweet in the way he's just he's articulate, he's clever with his money. So mm. yeah, I'm going to say Jamal. Tight. Oh, fair enough. Because he's also massive, so that is that is quite. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fi- finally, the last one: who is the most underrated player? I would. I'd, so for me, then, in terms of, I would say, I would say Connor or Sean Newton. Okay. Really. I think I think maybe Newt's come under a little bit of scrutiny at times during his Wrexham mm-hmm. career. Um, maybe that was the support for his for Gary Mills vocally. Maybe I'm not sure, but he's certainly uh, one of the best left backs I played with, and. Maybe yeah, maybe his, his relationship with Gary Mills, like sort of the fans were on him a little bit towards the end one night, if you remember, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd say Newt on it, yeah. We had Kreitz on a few weeks ago, and you know he was talking about the difference in style between Dino and then Morel, obviously because Morel took over yeah. as manager. Did did that? Obviously, you've talked publicly at the time. You know, you said that it was when when Saunders left, you you felt like you'd lost a bit of focus or direction. You know, what was it the difference in styles of management? Was it did you feel that you weren't as motivated? Um, I just felt for for well, for a start, the style didn't change at all. Mozart just continued what Dean done. It was the same training, same way they played, same tactics, same shape, same personnel until I went and Joe Clark came in. Um or Tolly, whatever she the one. Yeah, I just mm. felt I lost I lost like a father figure in terms of I didn't feel that. I, I knew straight away there was a clash straight away with Billy Barr. I, I felt it. You know, he wanted to move me from sitting midfield up into the 10 position. And what made it worse for me as well is I scored against Grimsby. And right. I scored against Mansfield the game after when I got injured. Mm. And he, he like turned around and said, I told you you're a number 10. And I'm not in the sitting midfield. I'm the best sitting midfield in the league. Like, I proved it for the, how many years I played in the conference. And um, it was a way about him. I didn't like him. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't take to him. And I felt sorry for Kazmoza because Moza was his mate. They lived next door to each other in Preston. And I really tried. I really physically tried. But with me, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And it got to the point where I wasn't getting that same affection. And when I did ask to leave, he was like, see, I told you so. I knew you were going to go. Well, that's not really the answer you're looking for when you're, you know. Yeah. I was lost. Do you know what I mean? I'm lost. I'm, I've got no father. I've lost the father figure who was making me enjoy football again. No, certainly he's gone. Added to the fact that all the other stuff offside the pitch, it was it was just it was just a a regrettable time really, and I, and I mean I'm not just saying it because you know this is what I was in the fans and that it is what it is. I've done it, apologise, move on from it. 
it's interesting that you mentioned Billy Barr because I've had a sense before that probably not the only player are you that had perhaps reservations about um, about Billy Barr. I don't know if you'd say it was his style or his his management style. I, I didn't give him the chance to be honest. To be fair, two things annoyed me: his personality, he had no, <laughs> and secondly, the first coaching session we had with him, he, he was making me do um, like they called like keep you up with your knees. You know what I mean? Like counting to ten as if I was technically inept now mm. I need to be stimulated mentally uh, football because I find football quite easy and when I get bored of anything that's when the problems happen so when I'm working with these elite coaches and managers who are testing me and pushing me and probing me I feel that's when I get my best out of myself once I become mundane and um, disengaged for example can you say that's where my mind completely goes. And I felt patronised a little bit by by his coaching. Some of the stuff you've said has chimed in with something that Lee Trundle said. We had Lee Trundle on the pod as well. And it sounded to me like you were kind of, you wanted the club to, when you said, I'm not happy, do you, would you have stayed if they'd have made a big effort? And, and uh, be honest, if they'd have really said, we really don't want you to go, do you think you'd have stayed? Yeah, but as I said, so, it, yeah, I would have, but the, the financial burden I was under at the time, I owed a lot of people a lot of money. And it, mm. if it wasn't for Dean paying them debts off, I was still would have been in that way anyway. Um, so, Dean paid them off personally? Well, but it was meant to be. The sign-on fee was into me. I give the money to Dean, and then we rang the people who I owed money to. And that's how it worked out. Right. We filtered through the list, not a problem. But when it got through the list, and then, you know, I ended up, by, I said... No one then helped me. Then I was still in the same position as I was when I came out of Rio, you know, and, and that's what I felt. No one sat down to me and said, "Right." They were taxing me on that wage as well, so they were taxing me on my wages, and they were taxing me on the sign-on fee, which was meant to be a sign-on fee. Um, if somebody said to me, "Listen, Files, what do we need to do to make you stay at the football club? How can we facilitate to make you here?" But I didn't get that. The niche, the first time Don was there, Don will tell you himself. He literally walked in and his first answer was yes, sell him. First answer. Not even like, that, that's what it was, yeah. It wasn't. We won a lot more money with Fleetwood. Um, no, not, not when you, so I was on good wages. The first time I was at Wrexham, I was on little wages. Then I signed that new deal. I was on, I'd probably be up there with the top earners. And right. then when I left to, to, to Fleetwood, they paid the fee and they paid the money back to Wrexham, the £20,000. So they right. paid me a sign-on fee and they paid that money back and they paid to buy me as well. So the money wages-wise, no, not. Um, no. But, it, but, it, but it gave you peace of mind with regards to, to your debts? and, and... Well, yeah, it, the debt, they're gone. There was no debt because I didn't owe Wrexham anything. I didn't owe the people that I owe people before I come to Wrexham. Then all of a sudden I'm owing people outside of Wrexham. Wrexham are taking back a thousand pound a month off my wages, so I'm, I was actually worse off by taking the, do you know what I mean? The, the, the sorry, the sign-on fee from Wrexham. Um, once that got cleared, they paid it, and they gave me a sign-on fee. Uh, obviously, enough to put a deposit down in the house, and then I was fat, I was mentally stable then to to go back and play football. Yeah, because I shouldn't be. I was 27 years of age. I shouldn't be living on the floor at 27 years of age. Dean offered, I'll tell you, Dean offered £10,000 to sign me. He offered me a three-year deal on £1,200 a week um, in a championship, £2,000 appearance, and what was it? That was it. I was on more money at Wrexham. So 
said to Dean, I said, when I was 17, I was on four grand a week when I was 17 in the championship. So why would I go, if it was about, like, you know, I would have got more money going to Doncaster in the long term by playing at the appearances. It's nearly three grand a week. I was going to play every game under Dean. Mm. Um, but I just knew they were going to get relegated. I knew they were going to get relegated. I knew I'd be the scapegoat because, you know, they're signing Chimbonda, Alachouf, they're signing yeah. all these big Premier League players and then a fat joke from the conference turns up and they're going to <laughs> They're just going to blame me, so which they did do actually when I went there the second time. <laughs> right, both okay. the worst Doncaster player ever. Did you? Yeah. Good God! I, I won a league title and the worst player ever to play for Doncaster. So <laughs> should frame that on the wall. I'm just going to dial it back to to you as well, Lee. Obviously, you meant you you messaged me earlier on um, about your standout moments and, and a few of the bits. I just, want to, I just want to elaborate a bit more on that because I find it quite interesting. You think you said that your first week at Wrexham, you got sent off versus Airbus in a reserve game. You then got sent off against Tranmere. You broke the team bus on the way to Salisbury in the FA Cup. <laughs> there, was, there was a 1,500 quid fine or you had to pay for the damage. You yeah. gave a penalty away in that game and lost. So just, <laughs> just dissect those sending offs and the Salisbury thing. And for some bizarre reason, I... I I've got it in my head that you were swinging from the the, the bus sort of air vent thing. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. right or what. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so the first game was Airbus away um, on that member before they had the 4G. And I think it was like 11 minutes in, I think we called the referee, um, see you next Tuesday maybe, and straight red card. And I was like, oh my God. Like, So Dean's gone, you fat joke. You've only been here a week. You've already been sent off. But leading into that game on a Saturday, we played a game against Tramia. It's like a bounce game. And um, one of their midfielders is threatened to stab one of the players, which is bizarre on a football pitch. I'm like, how could that... Even, like, where have you got... Like, the, do you know what I mean? That's what's going from here. Like, <laughs> so, Mark Williams had gone for a header and he'd split his eye, eye open so that, with a foot. So that shows how high... Mark Williams, 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, and split all his face open. So I said to Knight Percival, when this and do me a favour, the next pass was rolling across me, away from me, into him. And as he's done it, I've caught him, caught him properly just above the knee. Um, obviously, the ambulance got to come in and straight red card. And <laughs> I didn't regret it, but it was the you know, Roy Keane, Alfie Hangler, you know, when he's gone over the Alfie Hangler one. Yeah. So Dean's gone, like, Dean's like, what are you doing? That's two in two weeks, you fat. Like, a bit, like this time it was more serious. Like, there was a lot more swear words than that. So then Bri was like, he had his Tourette's, Bri did, and he'd hammer me. So we played Salisbury, but I think there was two games in one day, if I believe, that day. On the way down to the bus, I was swinging on the, the air vent or the, the escape hatch, and the, all the alarms went off, and I had the handle in my hand. Like, <laughs> what the, what's going on? Like, like, Jeff Moss at the time, he was fuming, because it was the Liverpool team bus. And, um, <laughs> I had um, I had a... Um, Bill for fifteen hundred quid. From, oh my god! Yeah, and I was like, I'm not paying that. I've got no. I haven't got fifteen hundred quid anyway. <laughs> um, Could have bought your pants, coach. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously before the game, Dean used to say every game, no red cards, no penalties, no red card. And he used to say it all the time. I'm thinking, right, Gaff, like, shut up, like. First, I give the penalty away. Anyway, <laughs> I told you, you had a horror. <laughs> you broke the bus. You've been sent off twice and you've knocked us out of the FA Trophy. <laughs> why, why, why did he keep trying re-signing you? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
every week we ask our guests to name their most fearless in devotion moment following the town. Um, and that's basically the moment that's filled you with the most passion. Could be a win, a goal, any kind of appearance. You know, is, is there something that jumps to your mind when we sort of mention that? There's a few. There's a few that, you know, I've just thought about since you asked the question that I had, you know, face to face. Obviously, being named captain was a massive thing for me. But the biggest thing, while you've asked the question now, for me is the Brentford game. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. What a game that was. Mm. What an atmosphere. Mm. Uh, if I could, that game, it was bonkers. So me and Tolly and Jay Harris, mm. before the game, we were smashing the doors. And, you know, we now never forget, um, oh, what's his name? The bald fella, the manager. What's his name? He's a fleet. Uwe Rosler, was it? Yeah, Uwe Rosler. So me and Tolly are messing around saying, right, we'll just we'll just wind them up here. We'll, we'll get into them. So we've opened the door and at Brentford, the doors are like literally that far away. So we're shouting in, going, we're going to kill you. We're going to do this. <laughs> Brilliant. But UV Rossler's face when, just went white. He slammed the door. And so so we, me and Tolly like, we've got him. So if you remember, there was a game. The first tackle I had was with the, there was a striker called James Alexander. Alexander, I think his name was. Hmm. Cut his nose with an elbow. And every tackle we went in for, they jumped out of. And we, really? we, we that game, we were just popping it for 60 minutes. They couldn't get near us. You wouldn't know who was who. Um, then obviously the goal celebration where oh. Declan Walker was sleeping with a young lady and we called it the stiff bang. Um, <laughs> and then everybody does it. And then obviously the last 20 minutes, we got absolutely battered. Um, yeah. We got battered. Like, it was yeah. like, oh my God. And then when we won, it was like, the journey home, like no, there was no drinking. As I said, we we were mm. not have a drink. We should everybody singing. Tolly was and Curtis was singing. Um, oh, what's his name? Ne- ne- I don't know if it's Neo or something like that. Anyway, wherever it was, Trey songs it was. That's what they were going. It was just a really good atmosphere. The atmosphere was yeah. superb, and um, yeah, that that for me that stands out as just a memorable, enjoyable that like everybody was buzzing at that time. But the thing is, the characters we had in that team at that time, you know, you had myself, Jay, Tolly, Kreitz was a big character as well. Um, you had little characters who all played their part, but it was like, they, like, he called us the crazy gang, didn't he? And it was just me, Tolly and Jay just pissing on, really. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, that was good. That was good. That was a good time. And that's never a great really. I, I should have played in the Brighton game, but... I didn't think I deserved. I didn't think the way I not wanted to go mentally. I think if I was fit, we would have won the game. I generally think that at that time, mm. I think we'd have beaten, especially drawing nil nil. You know, no disrespect to whoever took my place, but I generally think I would have created a chance or I would have done something a little bit different to win us the game. And but I was never in the condition to, to play the game anyway. So, uh, tell us a bit more about Jay Harris. You've mentioned him a few times. So you, um, do you think he's mellowed a bit? Is he is yeah. he still as as bonkers as he used to be? Yeah. So um, I don't think you mind you telling this story, Jay. So me and Jay. <laughs> um, now Jay, when Jay, Jay was uh, yeah, Jay when Jay first time round was a uh, we used to call him a loose cannon. So um, mm. me and him were both the same, and we went to our Briswith, and I don't know if you remember the game where we won seven nil. Was it or seven? Yeah. Did Glenn, Glenn Little play that one, or was that the one after? No, Glenn Little scored in the top yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah, I remember that goal. I, I remember driving down. I remember watching the game. Uh, yeah, so um, I hadn't drunk for twelve months, and so I Dean puts me and Jairus in a room. And next thing you know, we're chuck, he's chucking bouncers out of their own bars. Um, he's uh, 
Dean Saunders has walked into the bar and him and Gareth Taylor about, there must be about 300 people in the bar. Mm. So Jay's had a drink, I'm drunk. He's going, Saunders, you're curly-headed. <laughs> Get the right. He does look yeah. a bit like Sid the Sexist. Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't think he heard him. <laughs> and, uh, so we carried on our night. Jay's doing roly-polies and the bouncer's gone like, right, you got one more chance. No, you got three chances to get before you get chucked out. So Jay was literally like meshing around and the third chance he chucked him out. He did a roly-poly and threw a drink over the bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so me and Jay had obviously on the way back to the hotel and then we woke up in the morning and it was just like a silence everywhere. There was, there's a few other stuff that gone on as well, which I can't say on Facebook. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, well, pretty much, he broke his hand in my head, Jay, at some point. And um, yeah, so it was all silence, and we were like, "Oh my God, something's happened!" Do you know when you've had you woke up and you think, "Yeah, you've got a bit of angst." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Gareth Taylor's walked in with with Brian, and Brian's laughing, going, "Listen, just don't say a word." That like, if I was you, Files, I wouldn't say, "Well, Jay, don't even look at him." So he's coming, going, "You, you're absolutely fat joke. If you it's in your contract, if you drink, you're going to get sacked." And then he looked at Jay, and Jay's hands like the elephant, like, do you know what I mean? His hands out there broke. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he sent Jay back home on the train. He wouldn't let him get back in the car. Really? <laughs> so, um, nah, I love Jay. I've seen him, I've seen him, uh, we, we've done something at Wrexham the other day with Ratcliffe, and, um, yeah, he's a good kid, Jay. I've got a lot of time for him. Do you think he still got it? Yeah, so, I nearly got the Macclesfield job when Jay was there. I got down to the last two in the, the interview in the Football League, and, I certainly looked at Jay and leaned on Jay in terms of advice and also to see where he was still there. And I think when I've, I've watched Wrexham now 16 times this season, home mm. and away, and I've been at every home game for the last two months, and just learning and getting better. And But Jay's been playing. And when I watched Jay the first couple of um, couple of games, he had a little bit of a belly on him, not much, but a little bit of a derby on him. Um, and then the last three of games he played before suspension was back to the Jay Harris start. I know, like he was, he was pivotal in what he done. It was no coincidence that once he got come out of suspension, they lost the three games. Um, but he mm. reminded, he, he was back to how he was, um, and now he, that means he's getting fitter and better and stronger. And he's more calm in now. Jay he doesn't react to things as, as he used to do, um, mm. and he has to be really. He's got to be the leader for for young Jordan. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to mention him and sort of where the team are now. You say you've watched him quite a lot. Putting your manager head on, where do you think that Wrexham team are now? Are they good enough to go up? Would they be lucky to do it? Where could, where could they improve? They need to improve. I think if you are going to win the league, you can't have the squad you have got in terms mm. of, you know, no disrespect to certain players, but they've been here a long time now and they are great on their day and... But instead of having four hundred pound players now, you've got to start getting a thousand, thousand, two, twelve hundred pound a week players, and that's throughout the whole squad. And I think that there is key, key. You know, the strikers still need to be better for me. I think Kwame and Dior have been brilliant together. Kwame, yeah. massive blow. Um, yeah. I think Kwame being injured and him and Dior at the same time. But I think you still need a. Jake Spate, a Danny Wright in his prime, a Matt Tubbs in his prime, a guaranteed 30 goals a season striker. Um, mm. I don't think Kwame is and I don't think Dior is. I think Dior's a one in three striker. Kwame does all the other ugly stuff, which is better. Um, it's not quite worked out for Ponicelli. I think that no. he's, he's just getting back. He, just before his injury, he looked lively. He come on as a substitute appearance against somebody and scored. Yeah. 
and that he lacked a little bit of confidence. Um, I think Luke Young does a, He's over the last couple of years been one of my favourite players, but is being a favourite player going to get you to that next level? I don't mm. know. Jordan Davis is brilliant. Tie him down on a contract. Build yeah. him around him. And mm. Don't expect too much off him. Pull him in, pull him out. But that that's where you've got to go. Um, I like Pearson and Keller as a two. I think, I, regardless of the pace, I think experience and leadership is brilliant. Mm. Um, I think the full-backs need looking at um, in terms of Riesel Johnson's fantastic going forward. Defensively, can be found lacking. Um, I think Reckford, again, is more of an attacking fullback than a defensive fullback. Um, you know, Carras slotting in right back, left back, left centre half, right centre half, yeah, centre midfield. You know, you need to have a. It's great, and he's he's massive stalwart for the football club. Um, it's not worked out for Redmond for certain. Mm. For, for don't know what reason. No. Um, and I just think, as I said, you. I think if you're going to have a good go at it, I think because Chesterfield are throwing money at it now. I think. Mm. You know, there's no point having this new money without using it. Because you look what happened with Dean Saunders in the first two years. He wasted 2.4 million per season. Yeah. Um, it only took him to the third season when he dropped it down to 1.7 million, 1.7 million. And he understood the leagues and everything like that. So if you're going to spend the money, spend it. Because other teams are going to be spending now. They've been clever with the furlough money. Um, yeah. And they, they Chesterfield have played the game very, very well. Mm. Yeah. Until the tax man comes check in and they start <laughs> yeah, coming for that money back. Yeah, they, they, they play and I think it's I think it's shit or bust from. I, I generally do. I think I this think, season. Yeah, this season, yeah. Because the money they're paying out, the people they're signing, they're not on your your, your five, six, seven hundred pounds, they're on your fifteens, your third, four, you know, that's to look at the user. You know what I mean? They've offered him a deal that it's made him leave of a, a team bus to go and sign it. So Yeah. Um there's always going to be clubs who, who, who are going to want to cherry pick mm. it really and go and pay for it. But as I, I, my opinion, and you know, I don't, I'm not interested in whether fans agree with me or not in terms of, I think Dean deserves a chance with money. I think he's inherited Hughes' squad in the first place. Yeah, he's recruited. How how he's conducted himself. Listen, me and Dean ain't best mates by a far stretch, but I respect him. I, I think how he's conducted himself, okay, the fans are not being at the ground, but he's mm-hmm. certainly aware of social media, fans forums, and the opinion of people. You know, you, you can't one minute be the saviour and then lose three games on the bounce saying Keats is gone and, you know, we don't want Mark Hughes as next manager and, you know, Pulis get Pulis. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some level of consistency and I generally believe now with this, the new owners coming in, they, they need to build a training ground proper training ground mm. they need to in, in, invest in the club which they have doing and um, they need to be a better infrastructure now I, I don't know what's happening in the background um, mm. I see a lot of noise I see a lot of like the gin I see a lot of you know helping fans out with money and stuff like that well the club needs an infrastructure now it needs a base it needs a training venue it needs improvements to the pitch now they've got the money to do it I think Wrexham can be a massive animal but it's got, I'd like Dean to be have a given the choice or the chance to be that man to do it. And if he can't, never mind. But I think he's proven the way he's conducted himself in adversity has been brilliant for me. Now. Why don't you address the main criticism of Keats then, Lee? You know, you played in two teams, well, a few teams for Exxon, but the two spells, you know, good football insides. A lot of fans feel it's just not very good to watch. What do you think of it when you watch it? 
I don't I don't see what the fans are seeing all the time. I've watched him, so I don't see the long ball thing. I I, I don't see that long ball style. I, I really don't. I don't. I'll be honest with you. If I did, I'd say it. And you know, mm. when I'm looking at long ball, I'm looking at Sam Allardyce. I'm looking at Tony Pulis. I'm looking at Neil Warner percentage football. But Wrexham are having a lot of touches of the ball, but. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'll have to look a little bit closely into it. It's, listen, it's not I'm not saying it gets you on the edge of the seat type of football, but it's certainly, you know, once they click Wrexham, especially lately, they've started off unbelievably quick. Yeah. You know, if they, if they score against Notts County, they win the game comfortably against Notts County because I thought Notts County were poor. Mm. And they won yeah. one then. Um, Do you on, think a lot of it is because w- w- when you're watching a game on a stream in your living room, you know, with a cup of tea and it's on a on your laptop, you haven't got that. You, all you can concentrate on is the football. And do you think that people are maybe sort of zooming in a bit too much into the football, whereas maybe they tolerate that in the stands because they've got all the other distractions that they don't notice? Do you, do you not do you not think as well? It's because you don't want Keaty as manager. I, I think a lot of people were all. I have made their decisions before he came back, hadn't they? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So subconsciously, no matter what he does. That thought process is still going to be there. Well, mm. he could be playing the best football, but you still don't want him there. So, in your mind, he could be playing Barcelona football. You're going, I don't want you there anyway. You're playing Tony Pulis. Mm. Um, maybe because you're, there's no atmosphere, there's no one to talk to, you, you're fully focused on the screen, and mm. you know, added the fact that you don't want him there. Um, added the fact that you know, when you lose, your emotions are higher, so it galvanates it even more and you like propel it even more. And then by the time it's like a big snowball, and even when he is playing good football, you think, well, I'm too far gone now anyway. This is it, and this is what I want. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it could be a thing on, on the horizon as well. You know, you know the club's got a bit more money than it has. You're thinking in your mind, could we get this manager in? Could, you know, could they do that? I think Keats, because he's come, you know, he, he, he left us, he's come back, he's been there for two years. He's not the sexy option, really, is he? No, but... Yeah, of course. I have, like, listen, I, I live half my street in Wrexham, half my street in Chester. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, there was there was on the message boards, like, Mark Hughes, like, yeah, Mark, I mean, never going to manage Wrexham. Like, mm. the Cowley Brewers are never going to come and manage Wrexham. Not mm. yet. Do you know what I mean? Because once you get to a certain a level, they're not going to drop back down. But if the Cowley Brothers mm. come here previously, you know, before they went to Lincoln, I think it's a massive fit. I think they, they, uh, they do everything properly. But, I, I think you've got to give Keaty the chance and, you know, mm. who else are you looking at really? You've got, um, you know, Phil Parkinson, Alternum. You are John Askey, who's now at Port Vale. You've missed the boat. So mm. who who out there do you lot think that, who would you like to be the manager? Who who would you, I'm asking your opinion, who do you think you would like? I felt for a while that I think this season he's been scapegoated a little bit. I am sure I'll probably get slammed for this, but I, I feel like it's been quite unfair at times, some of the criticism. And that's been my point at times. When people have been calling for him to be sacked, when we were kind of drifting just under the playoffs, my thought was, we don't have a CEO, and who who's around that we're going to get? You know, that was I, I'm just not convinced that getting rid of him now. I say, if we make the playoffs and we don't go up, the club has got a really, the new owner's got a really tough decision to make and Fleur's got a really tough decision to make because I'm not sure what would be best to do. It all depends really what table we are eating at and I don't think we quite know yet because there's, you know, at least touch on it earlier, you know, we're giving money to fans and, you know, we're do, they're doing the nice little things around, around things but until you get a CEO in, you don't really know 
what the next steps Wrexham are going to take. Are they going to build a changing ground? You know, are they going to really pump up the budget next season? You know, are they looking at play? Are, were they looking at managers like Cowley, or were they, you know, or are they eating at a, a lower, you know, sort of lower table? Like I don't know. I mean, for, for for me to answer Lee's question, maybe Graham Alexander, someone who's won the league, maybe Mickey Mellon. I don't know if Mickey Mellon's in a job at the moment. I think he's here up in Scotland. Dundee, I think. Is he right? Well, that might be a, t- a tough ask then. <laughs> but so I, I would like someone who's 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 won the league and knows what to get promoted. But then I thought we had that in Gary Mills. So, you know, it's not yeah. always a, an exact science, is it? For me, man, I'd just like to see him being given, like, it must be hard as a manager, like, not, no training ground, no, no like, you know, I, I, I nearly got a player to him just before the Ultron game at home and he wanted too much money. And um, there was no dialogue in between. It was like, today he wanted this, which was high. The club mm. offered low, and they would just walk away from the deal. And he went and signed over in the League of Ireland just for the short term. And yeah, we've got to be what are we working with? What what you know you said there is like what is what? So am I signing a? I don't know. Am I re-signing a Luke Young, or mm. can I go and buy a from League One, League Two, and offer him X amount of money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the thing, mate. Keaty has got the contacts, mate, and. As I said, it's, it is difficult because I'm a manager, so I know how hard it is to get results. So, to be fair, you know, like I think we, we've all on this podcast, maybe maybe not so much Reese, but we've all said it, and we are, you know, that's it for Keats. Um, you know, don't necessarily want to see him next season, but you know, when you put it like that, who do you want? I don't actually know, you know, who who you would say in all honesty. So it's a fair challenge. Say he's got good contacts. Is he likable in football that he can get a player that someone else maybe couldn't? Is he that sort of football man that people want to come play for him? Yeah, of course he is. I think football talks. I think if you're honest with people and respectful with people, they'll certainly respect his career 100% as a, as a player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's got a lot of contacts in football, mate. He's been around a long time, Keaty. And mm. he's been, not only has he been in the National League, he's been higher up as well. I don't know. I just feel, like I said, I just feel, I just feel he's the amount of shit he's gone through, mate. Because you look, the fans are giving him, it's fucking, it's bonkers. Like, like I don't mind him, me. I just laugh for him, but he's quite mm. an intense character. Like, so he must be. Do you reckon he takes pretty, it to heart? I, I, I think he would. Yeah, you can see it on his face. You know, in the interviews after games. Yeah. Like, I did an interview the other day, and they were like, like, "The thing is, when you do interviews, you're not just doing it for." You're doing it for the players, you're doing it for the fans, you're doing it for the board, you're doing it for the media, you're doing it for like so many different people. And every single one of them will be taking stuff out of there to what they need. Mm. And like, but with Keats, you can see that, like, that hurt on him. And, and when they ask probing questions, when they do ask probing questions, they, um, mm. you can see that initial, like, you know, that hurt coming out, like, that, uh, that sort of anger coming out in him. But, I just think, let him ask the questions, answer as honest as you can, because the fans can see through it anyway. The only other, other thing I wanted to, to touch on, because we come full circle with, with the, the sort of club career, is is the international career. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you made a, a senior team appearance. I think you might have been on the bench versus Argentina or something like that, way back when. And a, yeah. sort of had various under-21s 
um, appearances. Is there any regrets from that particular side? I know you've said about Wrexham and leaving to for Fleetwood, but in terms of the Welsh setup, is there any things where you look back and thought, could I have done this differently or that differently? Um, truthfully, uh, I'm, I'm Welshman. Uh, my brother's massively a patriot. You know what I mean? He wears the games, wears the, like, the flags on his face. And for me, it's never been a big thing. Uh, Wales were crap. I grew up in a, in a bad area, uh, bad area, bad age group where we won one game in five years. The players we were playing with were horrendous. Um, and that's not be big edit. They were, they were poor. Um, the coaching was poor. The Everything was poor. So I used to dread going away with Wales. And um, when I got called up to the Croatia game, the Argentina game, I was just a young kid. So I, was, I, was, I wasn't playing any first team. So I was in between two age groups, really. First team and the 21s. I was probably in between that, that age group. And um, I don't, I've got no regrets of Wales, mate. Honest to God, it was, it was an absolute shambles playing for Wales. Like, I used to dread it. Um, I'm saying to the lads, we, we lost one year, I think it was 9-2 to Italy. And Jimmy Shoulder, the manager's buzzing that we scored two goals. And I can't get my head around it. Like I'm like, <laughs> mm, why have I come away from my work, football, to go and lose 9-2 and be happy about it? It's like, uh, actually, it all changed when Speedo and all that came in, didn't it? So, um, God rest his soul. He, obviously, that's the era I would have loved to be involved in because all them kids come through. They were brilliant. They got the Euros. And then, you you know, you're investing in years below you as well, not just what happened at the Euros. The, the whole Welsh football was thriving because of that generation. And as I said, I had donuts, really. Um, <laughs> just prehistoric donuts. And... Great to hear from Lee Fowler. Time now to move on to our Mighty Hero segment, where each week we pick one player which will make up the best Wrexham 11 of our lifetime. So last week we picked Darren Ferguson as our sort of holding midfielder. And picking Fergie over Ward has certainly stood up some debate, hasn't it, Tim? You've had Uh-oh. quite a few tweets about it. Yeah, there was, you know, there was a few people saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm with Andy, it's not even up for debate, blah, blah, blah. But then there was a few people saying, well, Fergie was it's not even fit to lace Ward's, Ward's boots, which is one of the, 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 the stronger comments. But yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it was clear that out of the ones that we came up with, those two are the ones that have very much divided people's thoughts as to who, who edges it, really. So, um, you know, we can all, I suppose Fergie has, has this association attached to him whether it's because of the family name whether it's because of the LDV Vans trophy etc etc um but I just think I just think Ward was an all-round more cultured um gifted footballer that that's the bottom line is it line a bit and you know I, I still stand by he was slightly quicker even though somebody said that you know it's like comparing a, a tortoise with a snail or something stupid so um but yeah, yeah, I just think it's good that it's stood a bit of debate between people. And um, yeah, there's there's some people in the in the Ward camp as opposed to Darren and Ferguson. So yeah, Wardy still gets my votes. Well, on that note, we've had an email in from James Beatty. That's the email class oh, again. Who? Uh, um, the Southampton and. <laughs> Um, yeah, James Beatty has emailed in to say, Ward versus... F- Sorry, loving the pod, lads. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Very grateful for that. Very grateful for your feedback. Uh, Ward versus Fergie is a very difficult call. 
but Peter Ward was integral to the FA Cup quarter-final run, which includes my two favourite Wrexham away games, Peterborough and Birmingham. And for that, he'd be my choice. And he was a steal from Stockport as well, which makes it even sweeter. Andy, thoughts? Um, I think you're all smoking crack because absolutely Darren Ferguson <laughs> was the most cultured left peg that has ever been seen in North Wales. We beat Peterborough, but, you know, Darren Ferguson beat Middlesbrough. They were a Premier League team with Gazer in, in the side. Who did Robin Gibson? What's your point? Well, I'm, what I'm saying is Ferguson scored that goal as integral to that victory. And I would Robin, say... Robin, Robin Gibson scored a goal. Let's not, let's not rekindle last week's debate. <laughs> old, old graves. <laughs> Fergie's in the team, but Peter Ward is a, clearly a very, very good player. And a lot of people have fond memories of him. But Fergie edged it into our team this week. We're picking the second of our three midfielders. And I think the thought is still maybe not, not so much an out. We're going to save the attacker, attacking midfielders for next week. Um, so we're kind of looking more box to box or just sort of central midfielders today. Um, that's the thought, isn't it? Is that what we're going for? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, right, first up, Andy, you can go first. Um, and as always, you've got 60 seconds to make your case. Okay. Uh, and three... Two, one, go. So when I was growing up, I was convinced that Gareth Owen played the most perfect pass to Lee Jones against West Ham in the history of football ever. I was sure that Pele and Maradona were sitting around a table dissecting it, saying, I wish we could do that. As I've got older, I still feel the same, maybe even more. But what I would really got like Pele and Maradona's goat was he, he played an even better ball for Steve Watkins 10 minutes, 10 minutes before in that game. Gareth Owen was probably one of the most underrated Wrexham graduate in the golden area of Fergie's fledglings. The fact that he never played for Wales is a travesty because I think he'd be one of those archetypal better international than club players. And he would have ended up at Lecce with James Richardson extolling his virtues, sipping an espresso in a Roman square at half 11 on a hungover Saturday morning. 15 seconds. He did play 300 times for Wrexham though. And in our upcoming fanzine, Mickey Thomas really shines a light on him. Box to box, good tackler, even better passer. Owen should have played at a, a lot higher level, but was a loyalist to servants. He also plays guitar. Good case there, Vigazo. And Liam, you're up next. Are you ready? I think my script's uh, there or thereabouts. I can, yeah, I, can, I can wing the last bit. All right, good, good. Okay, fine. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so the midfielder I've gone for this week was an absolutely crucial member of the Wrexham team that won promotion from the old second division in 2003. He only joined the squad in February that year. The player I'm talking about, of course, is Scott Green. Now, it's easy to remember that season through rose-tinted spectacles if it was all plain sailing, um, but we were actually fairly inconsistent in the first half of that season. And I felt that when Scott Green came in in February, he played a key role after he was brought in from Wigan got three goals in 15 appearances and Dennis Smith's side lost just once from the time of his arrival through to the final game of the season. We talked about Darren Ferguson last week. Well, Scott Green's arrival allowed him to do what he does best. Scott Green's a big presence in midfield, decent at breaking up play, a cultured passer. He'd also pop up at the other end of the pitch and crucially scored two goals against Hartlepool and one in a 3-2 win against Bristol Rovers. I honestly think that without Scott Green, I would probably have never seen Wrexham get promoted. Uh, so for that reason alone, I think he deserves a place in the team. Nicely done. We're all keeping to time beautifully today. OK, Tim, you're up next. Your 60 seconds starts in three, two, one, go. 
I've gone for Wayne Phillips. He arrived at Wrexham in 1989 as a second-year YTS apprentice, therefore only given 12 months to impress the bosses at the club. Despite being Carnarvon-born, the fluent Welsh speaker considered Wrexham his local club, and as a result, Wrexham became home to him. Dixie McNeil gave him his first pro contract. From there, he never really looked back. Wayne, Wayne Phillips was just integral to the side. He went about his business in a neat and tidy manner. He was energetic, kind of like a, a, you know people going about Rutherford running everywhere. Phillips was exactly that and more. Put in a tackle where he needed to track back often. Just literally gave everything to the course. He likened playing for Wrexham as almost playing for Wales because he, because of, he's such a passionate Welshman. Playing for Wrexham meant everything to him. 15 seconds. Anyway, he was involved in the European Cup Winners' Cup win against Lingby in Denmark. Played against Man United over Trafford, scored a cracker in the draw against West Ham in the Cup in '92. Had the best seat in the house for Mickey Thomas's free kick versus Arsenal. Close to 250 appearances, over two two spells, 18 goals. Great player. Won lots of Welsh cups. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Gone through it all there. I think. Who's ready to give me? Right, I'm going to give you a minute. Yeah. So, okay. three, two, one, go, Reese. Okay, so being slightly limited due to my age, I'm going to make a somewhat left-field suggestion today. Jim Whitley. Now, I know I could make some other maybe more sexy suggestions. He made 140 appearances for the town after returning to his boyhood club, which is pretty good. But to make my case, I'm also going to take you back, like Liam did, to our last promotion season in Channel 3. Ferguson and Green always get the adulation when we talk about that season, and fair enough, great players. But I've always been partial to those players who work hard and allow the team around them to shine. And Jim Whitley was that team's WD40. 49 appearances that season, 49. Very underrated player, although clearly rated very highly by the Wrexham management of Smith and Jones that season as he was barely off the pitch. Career at Wrexham, cruelly cut short by a nasty knee injury. But the clincher for me Ten is seconds. that the former Ascobran Allen Poopil now makes his living as a musician and an artist. There's a bit of Sammy Davis Jr. and a rat pack, but also his portrait of and David Beckham you. hangs on the walls of the PFA offices. And Paul Burrell asked him to do a portrait of Princess Diana. Why else wouldn't you vote for Jim Whitley? Because Paul Burrell asked him to do a portrait of Princess <laughs> Diana. God rest her soul. You know, Paul Burrell was actually born in Chesterfield. Was he? Was oh, well, just another reason to hate that place, isn't it? <laughs> like... Jim Whitley's lost before we started now. <laughs> well, I like Jim Whitley. Um, fun fact is my dad actually taught him, so there's one for him. Taught him everything. He... Yeah. Your dad was a PE teacher, wasn't he? Taught him everything he knew. Yeah. He taught Robbie Savage, else? Jeff Whitley and Jim Whitley. Oh, and Tim Edwards. And Yeah, and Tim Edwards, most importantly. Yeah. I wouldn't say and... taught. Yeah, I mean, was there a young Re Liam Randall in there as well? A left back no, with an eye for goal. No, I was. Uh, I was in. I went to St David's. It was decided for the best mm. to toughen me up. <laughs> toughen right. you up. Wise choice. <laughs> Wise choice. Who, who's gonna Who's gonna cave first? Right. Come on. It can't be Whitley. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you <Okay>. folded fast. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have, we'll have Jim Whitley as the after the team's sort of post-game entertainment. We'll have hey, him in. Tell you what, Jim Whitley, because I was covering the club at that point, is a really nice fella. Fair play. Um, I remember LDB Band's trophy. Um, you know, you do that thing where you get a player to introduce the team. Hmm. So I asked Jim to do it. And Jim gave me some really good answers. But Jim went away and thought about it and then came back and gave me some even better answers. He'd more or less written them himself. <laughs> I went, oh, that's a lot better than mine. <laughs> 
So he's even a better journalist than me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wayne Phillips, great player. And, you know, got a soft spot for Wayne Phillips as well, just because of how much he clearly loves the club as well. He's still there every Saturday, every Tuesday night, uh, reporting for Roger Cymru and Reggie Wales, isn't he? And that goal against West Ham was something else. Yeah, it was. Great strike. I, saw, I watched it back. I watched it back for, to see the Owen passes. But actually, what stood out for me was Wayne's strike. I think, personally, it's between Wayne and, and Garaz, Gaz Owen. Um, I would say it's either or. I, I, I quite like Gaz Owen, so I'm going to go for him. But Wayne, Wayne also scored. He didn't score tappings, Wayne Phillips. On his debut, he, came, he replaced a certain guy called Joey Jones on his debut um, against Rill in the Welsh Cup. Scored a 40-yarder. <laughs> and then, so yeah, he didn't, he didn't, I don't recall him ever scoring sort of, you know, tappings or all solid strikes. So he had that in his locker as well as everything else. So I just, I just think looking back, I know it's easy to, to sort of you know, get all nostalgic on, on this particular piece, but I just think looking back, he was, he was probably quite underrated really. And he spent a decade with us in his first season, came back after, after being at Stockport. Um, injuries hampered his last season. He, he was released, you know, had a pin in his leg and, and so on and so forth. So I just think um, he perhaps didn't get the um, the kudos he deserves. Um, I, I know what Andy's saying about Gaz. and I love Gaz. Obviously, we had Gemma on the other week as well. Um, love Gaz. Did a story about him, um, the flying pig, when he went in goal at Burnley. One of the... One of the oh, he also plays in goal. I mean, that's a championship manager. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> There. Are we are we discounting Scott Green straight straight away? Well, maybe we shouldn't because he was He's the catalyst player, for that. He was yeah. the catalyst for that. I just think he didn't play a lot. You know, he didn't play a hundred games for Wrexham. And if you think of someone who did had longevity, then I think it's still between Phillips and Owen. And I just think Owen just had that little bit more quality than Wayne. I mean, Wayne put a shift in every time he he went out on the pitch. He he was playing right wing back got injured against Scunthorpe and that's when Carlos Edwards took that position and really kicked on. But actually Dennis, Dennis Smith picked Wayne to play that position in that formation first. So there's something about Wayne there that he's quite, you know, he's quite, he's quite a utility player. Hmm. I just personally think that I just think that Gareth Owen just had that little bit more quality. Yeah. I think Wayne's what you'd call a decent servant to the club, wasn't he? He was a really decent player. Uh, really good in the community. Um, my auntie would always talk to him and he was uh, happy to have a chat when he was in Acton Park. Um, but I think for all-round play, I'd probably, pl- as much as it pains me, because Andy keeps nicking the best players <laughs> before anyone else can. Okay, c- can, we, can we can we just address out. this now? <laughs> right, I am the oldest and I have seen more of these players than you guys. That's, <laughs> this oldest, is why I keep I'm winning. The I'm the oldest. I'm older than you. Are you? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm 29. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, when I was watching back the uh, that aforementioned West Ham Wrexham game, um, that Gareth Owen pass to Lee Jones. Lee Jones almost butchered that that finish. Yeah, I know he did. He, he really tried <laughs> his think, best, didn't he? <laughs> he? Tried his best to miss it. Yeah. But I think it was the third touch. It was pretty, he pretty much passed it into the goal, and even then he had to make sure it, it, it went. You had in. to follow it in and nod it in on the yeah. line. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that, like you said, that pass was ridiculous. What was it? 40, 40 yeah, pass forty five. Yeah, but honestly, mate, like if you watch those those highlights, I, I just watched it before this. The the ball he played to Watkin about ten or fifteen minutes before was even better. So to have yeah. that, those two pinpoint swinging passes against a you know a, a top division team, 
at that age just shows what a talent Gareth Owen was. So we get, are we having Gareth Owen in then? Are we agreed? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we're shameless plug here, by the way. Um, Mickey Thomas is in, is featured in the, uh, the new fanzine, hard copy fanzine, which is about to drop next month. And in it, he actually mentions Gareth Owen. I think he says that he's one of the, one of the players that he thought should have gone on to a higher level. Mm. So with that in mind, he gets the seal of approval from Mickey. So yeah, that's, that's good enough for us. If it's good enough for Mickey, it's good enough for us. Welcome to Almighty Heroes, Gareth Owen. So we now have Fergie and Gareth Owen in the middle of the park. I tell you what, what a, mid, what a team this is shaping up to be. Next week, next week's going to be a tasty one with the attacking players. But yeah, and, um, and he's all time eleven. It's shaping up to be. Who will he next next Okay, so prediction times before quickly before we end the pod. Andy, where are we? Did anyone get it right this week? No, no one got it right. Um, everyone went for a for a Wrexham win. More fool them. Never going to beat the British taxpayer, are you? So, <laughs> so we're still where we were. So. Reese, you are leading the charge on 11 points. You are the Torquay of this predictions league. Um, I'm second, but could drop out at any point because I've only got four. And Liam and Tim are showing their ass in top man window because they've both got two. Okay. Um, Has anyone um, suggested a, a forfeit yet? No, Not but... yet. That, that, yeah, please email in with a forfeit. What should the loser of the prediction league do and remind us what are the points are you get five points for a correct score is that right so so if you get it bob on you get five points if you get the result right it's two points cool okay right then this week we got solly helmore solly helmore's on saturday no tuesday night game a lot of our rivals playing uh playing each other on tuesday night so i think we're going to be all watching that quite carefully but saturday we can just concentrate on what we've got to do which is solly hell i'm going to go first i'm going to say we're going to bounce back it you know People said Chesterfield was a must-win. This really is a must-win. We've got to beat the teams in mid-table if we're going to get the playoffs. So I'm going to say that we're going to bounce back from that poor performance on Saturday, and I'm going to go for 2-1. Liam, when you go next? Um, I'm also going to go for us to score two, but I'm going to back us to have another shutout. 2 nil. I'm going to go for. Tim? Uh, yeah, interesting. Obviously, they got, they got twatted 5-1. By uh, oh, sorry, they twatted Yeovil five-one at the weekend, and then they've got Yeovil again tomorrow in the reverse. So I think Yeovil will be wanting to save some face. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to have to get back on it. I, I still think we'll we'll get a clean sheet. I think we'll squeak it one-nil. Gold. Oh, gold! Wow, gold! Always believing. Mm. Andy, last but not least. Right, I've had a premonition. I had a dream this morning that we're going to draw this one, but then we're going to win every other single match this season. Well, five of them. No. Yeah, I've had, had quite a few Camden Pale Ales last night, so this dream might be quite uh, quite restricted. Oh, but Camden. I'm going to go one each, and then then the flurry will start. But don't ask me to actually predict a win every week, because otherwise I'll lose this. Are we um, are we predicting the Monday as well? Bank holiday Monday one. Oh, there's a Monday game. Yeah, let's do oh, that. Oh wow! So we got it's Maidenhead a... away. So it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a quick that's turnaround. That's bigger than that. Okay, Maidenhead, Maidenhead away. away that's yeah. big. I'm going to say we'll draw down in Maidenhead. One all. Oh, I'm going to go for. I'm going to be controversial now and say that we're going to lose two one. Oh, you hate Wrexham. 
<laughs> I know. I, I just really want to bear my ass in Top Man Window. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Repeat offender. Andy, you just alluded to what you said. So does that mean what, what was your prediction for for Solihull? Well, I've won all, and then I said we're going to win. Yeah, you have to win. win that, that means you have to go for a loss against yeah, Maidenhead, based on that uh, logic. Uh, no, on that logic, I mean we're going to have to win. Right, okay. <laughs> so you're going for a win against Maidenhead? Yeah, I'm going to go for a two-one win. Right, okay. shitty now. I'm going to go for a. Uh, I'm going to go for a goalless draw at Maidenhead. I think. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Pretty inconsistent predictions and a pretty inconsistent team at the moment. So uh, that seems to fit. But thank you very much for listening again and downloading. We do appreciate it. You can email us, uh, as we've already mentioned, fearlessindevotion at gmail.com. And please follow and uh, get in contact with us on the Fearless in Devotion Twitter account. But until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Good night. Cheers. Bye-bye.